either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Another big holiday movie week, so let's dig into it. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com, and where else are we going to start? With Spider-Man's identity now revealed, Peter Parker asks Doctor Strange for help. When a spell goes wrong, dangerous foes from other worlds start to appear, forcing Peter to discover what it truly means to be Spider-Man. This is Spider-Man No Way Home. You're struggling to have everything you want while the world tries to make you choose. This is all my fault. I can't save everyone. They're starting to come through, and I can't stop them. I'm sorry, kid. Yeah, me too. Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, it's This is the third in the um, series with Tom Holland mm-hmm. taking over the role. And I think he has just been a great Spider-Man because one of the things that we've talked about, I'm sure on this podcast before, is that it rebooted the character where it should be. That is with the worldview of a teenager. Yeah. And a lot of that, of course, falls on John Watts, the director, who mm-hmm. understood that. The, the naivety and the in the innocence were going to give this franchise a different, fresher perspective than the glut of other superhero yeah, films. Yeah, well, and the glut of other Spider-Man movies. Because I remember thinking when they announced it, I'm, I thought, this is ridiculous. We had the Tobey Maguire, and then it seemed like right away we had Andrew Garfield. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, come on. But they went a completely worthy and new direction by taking it back to the the teenage roots, and I think it's been a big success, and it is here. This is a lot of fun. It is so, this movie is so much fun. It's so much fun. We loved, as did everybody else, Into the Spider-Verse, the animated Spider-Man movie from a couple of years ago. So great. Just a treasure, that movie. And an, and they've got a sequel coming soon, they which do. is great. Yeah, They do. And and uh, and so this, you know, there's a little crossover there, right? Because, because what happens is that uh, Peter Parker wants everybody to forget that at the end of the last movie, it was announced that Peter Parker was Spider-Man, and that's caused some problems for him and for his friends. Right. So he talks to Doctor Strange, and then uh, mid-spell, tries to change the spell, and then it causes these rifts in the in the multiverse. So all of the sudden, villains from other Spider-Man franchises are in this universe. So from completely separate, non-Tom Holland, Yeah, Green Goblin, oh the my ones God, that are in the trailer. Dr. Yeah, Octopus. Sure. So much fun. It was so much fun. And I love the line from the trailer where uh, Peter Parker says, you mean the multiverse is real? <laughs> Which I think is a direct callback to the animated one. I really do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. that turned out to be such a critical and popular success yeah. that, okay, we're going in this direction. And it's, yeah, it's, it's great. It's one that you want to see... We always say this on the big screen. We oh, saw do. the IMAX version, which is great. Oh, glorious! Uh, so much great action, and it's a lot of the humor. It's yeah, teenage-based humor, but it's not. It's not silly humor. It just has a, a, a teenage again, a teenage worldview kind of base to it. Because with uh, Peter Parker and then MJ, his girlfriend and his best friend, the three of them, they're they're the core, and they're dealing with sort of Doctor Strange takes sort of a disapproving parent sort of thing like yeah. what mischief are you kids getting into <laughs> and that sort of thing uh when they go off on on their own and try to fix this 
what happens with the uh, the villains coming in through this rift in the multiverse. And it's so it's it's all over the place, but it goes in such clever. We're we're not going to spoil anything. Nope. It goes in clever directions. It let's does put it that way. So there there are two things that I I particularly love about this movie, and one I think that it is very easy for um, Marvel universe films to try too hard to bring in all of the other Marvel universe, you know, so that we know it's all one universe. Yes, blip, we got it. Um, and I think sometimes that they work too hard. What this one does, of course, it's folding multiple universes in on this one. And I think it's so organic and so fun, these callbacks that mm-hmm. they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and and very affectionate. It's clear that it's clear that the film itself has great affection for all of the other episodes in the the larger Spider-Man sort of series is. Uh, and then the other thing I really liked about it is that its themes are to a certain degree at odds with all of the other superhero films that we're used to mm-hmm. in a way that I just loved and I think in a way that is in keeping with the very innocent and and sweet good nature of this particular Spider-Man franchise. It not only has love for the whole franchise, but it has love for the fans of yeah, all yeah. of the incantations of yeah, the franchise. Does, does. And there's going to be a lot of, I think there's going to be a lot of mid-movie applause yes. uh, at moments in this movie. And um, some tears. And some tears, yeah. It, it, it runs the gamut of, of emotions, and I think that's why it's going to be a big crowd pleaser. Of course, yes, there are two extra scenes, one mid-credits, which is, which is it's fun. It's fun. But the one disappointment, the one drawback we had for this movie actually is the final after the credit scene. It's a bit curious. It's different than any other Marvel stinger, I think, that we've seen so far. Yeah. And it was just a little bit disappointing. Yes, but, agreed. Uh, but other than that, and also I was, I was a bit curious after the trailers to see how much of a factor the character of Doctor Strange was going to be in this movie. And he's in it a decent amount. He is. And it reminds you what a great year Benedict Cumberbatch Holy is having. Holy cow! Because you add this movie to Power of the Dog, which is one of the best movies of the year, and then the other one that nobody saw, the Lewis Wayne. Electric Life of Lewis Wayne, which yeah. is him. I mean, he, yeah. he's, he's Lewis Wayne. He's the lead, and he's great in it. It is a weird little film, but yeah. he was great but in it. But he's great as Doctor yeah. Strange, yeah, too. So, he is. Yeah, just, it's just it's a fantastic bit of fun. I think it's going to uh, just be a, a real, real crowd pleaser. I know there's a lot of rumors about who is in it and who isn't in it, but let's just say it's, it's, it's going to be a crowd pleaser. It's let's put so it that fun. Way. And, uh, yeah, go enjoy with a crowd. I think that's the other thing, too. I mean, we're not going to tell anybody to go to the theater if you don't feel comfortable. That's understandable. But if you do, I think not only will you see a, a better version visually on the big screen, but you're going to have a good time with other people that are having a good time, yeah. too. And that's, and that's always a treat. So, yes, recommendation for Spider-Man No Way Home. And the other major film this week is a story of an ambitious carny with a talent for manipulating people. With a few well-chosen words, hooking up with a female psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is. It's Nightmare Alley. Well, we've had our share of snake charmers in the past. We deal with them. You don't fool people, Stan. They fool themselves. I've given you a fortune! It's time that you delivered. When does it end? I want to know. If you displease the right people, the world closes in on you very, very fast. This is director and co-writer Guillermo del Toro, and he is updating a noir classic from 1947, which we should say, if you're interested, we found 
a pretty darn good looking copy for free on YouTube. Yeah. You can watch the entire movie and we recommend it. It was oh, a really yeah. decent looking decent looking uh, copy of it on YouTube, but this uh, updates it and boy, I think almost just improves it in a lot of key areas. Just we, we I know we talked, you know, we were talking amongst ourselves about this and in our written review, it increases the stakes of this tale. And if you're used to Guillermo del Toro's more recent work. I think this one is this one is much darker. This doesn't don't expect the the joyful wonder of a lot of his movies. This is going to the seedy side of town. Yes, it is. So both of the both of the versions of this film are based on a novel, which we didn't read. So it could be that the seediness is in there. But he definitely mines the material mm-hmm. for it. Looks amazing oh, as glorious. you've come to expect from a del Toro glorious. film. It opens in a carnival. Carnival Sideshow, Freak Show, love that. I do, I do, personally. It is a really creepy way to get into a film. And then it goes to sort of more glamorous areas later on, Mm -hmm. which is really where it becomes more of a noir. Um, It has... This is the year for casts, man. Oh, this is the year cast. for ensembles. But Good lord! Wow, the know, group of people on this one of the, film. One of the groups that we belong to, a group critics groups. One of our year-end awards is best ensemble. It's going to be tough. This it is going to be really going to be tough. Yeah, uh, Bradley Cooper is the lead as this guy who starts out in this carnival. He hooks on with him. He's down on his luck. He he um, hooks on with this carnival and he starts getting some success by being a, a mentalist in the sideshow. And then he gets. More and more success, he takes his uh, he takes a bride in uh, Molly, played by Rooney Mara, and they go off and they build this very successful con of mind reading, mm-hmm. and that's when his his pride takes over and he starts to get his sights set on reading and conning bigger and bigger fish, and then he runs into Lilith, the psychiatrist, played by Clay- Kate Blanchett, who my lord, is she great. As when a, is she not? Honest I to God. When but is as she a not? Noir vamp oh, like yeah. this. She's and the perfect. way that Del Toro. Those cheekbones. The way that Del Toro frames <laughs> it and lights her. And yeah, and then she has a pretty good read on uh, Bradley Cooper's character as well. Oh, and it becomes, amazing. yeah, the arc, I think, is is richer. This becomes a, almost a biblical tale yeah. of, of pride before the fall and, and, and what happens to uh, Bradley Cooper's character. And it also. You, it, you can be looked at as a, a greater metaphor for just any kind of system. Uh, I'm thinking of the carnival said that that works within a way to keep some people down, and and other people are fine with that. And, yeah. and you know what I yeah. mean. I don't oh, want to absolutely. give away anything. No, but yeah. uh, it's it's interesting to look at it that way as well. But it's a it's a fascinating film, especially if you like those noir thrillers, because this is just just glorious to look at. Again, see it on the big screen for all of its cinematography and, and lighting and set design is just so perfect. And this ensemble just really seeming to relish every chance they get to dig into these characters. And who else we got? We got Tony Collette. We got Richard Jenkins, Richard Jenkins. who was amazing. Uh, Davis Trathairn, also Willem, a, Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, yeah. creepy as ever. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Tim Black Nelson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, the, the, it goes on and on. It's it's such a cast, and and it's such an environment. Whether they are in the sideshow, you know, in the carny, or whether they're, you know, in the sort of these these glorious, really elegant, beautifully lit hallways yeah. of these mansions and hotels. It just looks amazing, and it conjures such a a creepy spell. Yeah, and Del Toro's foreshadowing is, it's very clear, and you see it in the trailer where uh, the one guy played by Clifton Collins Jr., sure. another another uh, 
well-known character actor. Oh, and who else? Uh, Ron Perlman is Ron in this Perlman. too. Ron Perlman. Anyway, where you see the one character say, let the mirror show you who you are. There's yeah, a lot of there's that. There's a lot of that. About really foreshadowing about the the fun house and the hall of mirrors and who are you really and and that's it's clear but yet it's not uh, I don't think it's it's pandering and it's not overdone I don't think but no, it's, uh, it's an amazing film amazing film I think we both view it as one of the best of the year and totally uh, another one that you really should see on the big screen if you possibly can because the look is gorgeous that is Nightmare Alley in theaters now loved it. Next up is a film both in select theaters and also available on Apple TV. Set in the near future, a terminally ill man explores a heart-wrenching, emotionally complex solution to save his wife and son from grief by duplicating himself without them knowing. It's called Swan Song. Can't figure out what the right thing is here. Thought I had more time, I guess. You have an opportunity here. I'm not done. I didn't say he could You're go. dying. I feel like I've fallen in love with her for the first time again. No, I don't like this. You think I like this? Being told I'm not me. Because you're not me. You are not me! I love you, Camantana. This is actually the second swan song uh, that came out this year. Yeah. There's a small film starring Udo Kier that we talked about some weeks ago, set in Sandusky, Ohio. I totally love it so much. different kind of film. Very, but we very loved different. It. We loved it. One yeah. of the most overlooked films of the year. Anyway, this one is a sci-fi set in. It looks like it's funny because it looks like the near future, but yet. I love the look of it. Yeah, I the, do too. the future look, the gadgets. Yeah. They look like, yes, they're beyond what we have now, but not too much. Exactly. You know? And uh, so I love that. And look, the look of it is also very, I think it reminded both of us of Ex Machina, mm -hmm. the look, uh, without the disco dancing. <laughs> uh, because uh, uh, Mahershala Ali is the lead, two time Oscar winner. Fantastic. As always. As always. And he actually has the, the dual role of uh, the man and the. Clone regeneration, I think, is what they call it here. That is possibly going to take over his life, and the the sort of the the outpost where they go to to get all this ready is run by uh, Glenn Close, mm -hmm. is the doctor, and that sort of uh, reclusive uh, outpost center kind of reminded me of the center in uh, Ex Machina, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. look of that. But Ali's performance is one of the main reasons to see this. But the writer director is Benjamin Cleary. And as a lot of sci-fi movies do, it recycles a lot of ideas that we've seen before. Sure. Um, but, boy, he does such a—and the whole cast, because it, not only Glenn Close, also Naomi Harris plays uh, his wife, who is going to not be aware. If he makes this choice, she is not going to know it. Right. That's the whole point. The whole point is, uh, as Glenn Close tells him, the minute you tell your wife it's, it's over, the option is no longer there for you. And he's going to be the what the second or third person to do third, this. Third, the third person ever because to do it. Because another one that he that he meets at the center is Aquafina. Yes, uh, they are both dying, and they have to make this choice. She has already made it, and so he talks to her about her choice and things. So there's some there's some gentle humor in it as well. But I think uh, I think Ali's performance is one of the main things that makes this as successful as it is. I absolutely agree because he plays both characters as. Very much the same and very much different, and it's it's interesting because you know doppelganger films, generally speaking, the two versions of the same people they hate each other, and in this one they 
especially the one who isn't dying. Mm-hmm. You can see the empathy he has for really himself, but mm-hmm. the version of him who is dying. It's um, it's an interesting take that that as many times as I've seen a doppelganger movie, I haven't seen that kind of of interaction. And of course, uh, it it helps that it is one of the greatest actors working today, right? Mahershala <laughs> Ali playing those two characters. Yeah. But um, and uh, you know, it's not a, it's not, it has some flaws. It's a little I think slow. especially it that drags. Naomi Harris character is is fairly one dimensional. Yeah. Um, but. I kept my attention. It kept mine as well. It has some, as you might imagine, some something to say. There's some moral ambiguities here, some choices, some concerns about uh, sacrifice, about being left behind. That's a big uh, message about how you feel about being left behind. And uh, and so it, it does give you something a little, uh, to think about. It is. It does start to feel a little bit long, drags a little bit, but it's a very measured pace. It's very languid and, and very... Uh, surreal sometimes, but the, the production design is great about this future world, although it is a bit idealistic, I think, because it's clear that they've, however much further into the future this is, they've, they've solved some major problems that we're <laughs> dealing with now, but I hope that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but, Fingers uh, crossed. Yeah, exactly. But uh, this one is, uh, yeah, it takes some of these well-worn themes from sci-fi, which a lot of movies do. In fact, another one that we're going to talk about soon does it this week. Uh, and find something to say about it, yep. buoyed by this uh, this great cast. So uh, that is available uh, in select theaters and also on Apple TV, and it's called Swan Song. Oh boy, let's talk about this one. Now, this is a comedy about Emmy, a school teacher, finding her career and reputation under threat after a personal sex tape is leaked on the internet, forced to meet the parents demanding her dismissal. Emmy refuses to surrender to their pressure. This is called Bad Luck Banging or Looney Porn. It's a well-made film full of outrage and humor. And um, also, you should know that the word porn in the title is not just a metaphor. There's there's porn. Oh, yeah. Right away. In the first few minutes as they're making their sex tape, it, it'll be clear. Oh, this is quite, <laughs> quite explicit. Yes, it is. Uh, so you'll you'll get that in the first couple of minutes and know whether you're in or out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the couple, married couple. This is a Romanian film set in Bucharest, foreign language film, and uh, they make their their tape. And the the writer director is Radu Jude, and he doesn't really doesn't spend much time worrying about how the tape got on the internet in the first place. It's this is more this is more situation than story. Um, they make the tape. It's out there. She has to deal with the aftermath. And, and that is his point, because she is a teacher at a prestigious school in Bucharest. And once the parents get wind of this, they want to have a hearing where they vote on whether she'll continue to be a teacher or not. And, yeah, she's defiant about it. And that's the point here. Jude wants to talk about hypocrisy and about also about just the overall increased meanness in society. I think, and he just goes all over the place. Even for for a foreign film, though, you'll be amazed how much of the material that he covers sounds like arguments in the U.S. Yeah, and and terms brought up like Fox News and like George Soros and conspiracy theories. It just goes all over the place. But it's interesting how he does it because after you get the setup of the tape being on the internet, then he breaks away for the second act. And this is one of those movies that's separated by chapter cards. He breaks away for the second act which has a long title. It's, it's something about a, a series of anecdotes where 
That's what it is. He just presents these almost memes. Some are meme worthy. Some are archival footage. Some are just word definitions where he'll put up a word and then an example of it. And and they're very easy targets, a lot of them. But he realizes that because one of the segments says metaphor. And then he shows a kid's game that's basically shooting fish in a barrel. Right. So, OK, he realized it, but he just he just wants to be outraged about this. And uh, some of that is very explicitly sexual as well. If you get past the first few minutes, you're not done. You're going to see more. Uh, and then he finishes up with a sitcom ending, that ha- and he goes through three or four possible endings, and the last one is totally bonkers, as, <laughs> as this entire film is. It's, it's audacious, it's funny, it's explicit, but boy, it is one heck of a statement. From this uh, writer-director. And uh, yeah, if you don't mind explicit sex- sexual material, um, I think it is worth seeing. It, yeah. it really is. <laughs> and it's If you can find a theater in uh, in your area showing it, because this is for sure, I think it's unrated, isn't it? Because it's going to be either NC, it's unrated. Yeah, so in select theaters called Bad Luck Banging or Looney Porn. And the next one is on Hulu, a uh, sci-fi thriller in a post-apocalyptic world. Rocked by violent android uprising, a young pregnant woman and her boyfriend desperately search for safety. This is called Mother Android. We cannot run them. This is the only shot we've got. An android rebellion leads to the extinction of human life. I would kill for you. I would die for you. I would be the same for our baby. My son, I'm going to give you the only thing that I have left. So this is the other one that you mentioned that we're going to talk about. That is a, a sci-fi film that recycles some familiar ideas. Yeah, and this is the writer-director is Matson Tomlin. And this stars Chloe Grace Moretz, and she is Georgia, or G, uh, the pregnant woman, who early on, she's just found out she's pregnant, and so she's unsure about what to do. And her boyfriend, Sam, is played by Algie Smith, and he is saying all the right things, um, but uh, she's just not sure. And they're at a party. And you notice at the party, they're being served by servants that are androids, uh, AI servants. And so, okay, fine, that's in this, in this near future world, that's just a part of their life. And so G and a friend of hers go into the bathroom to talk about her situation privately, and there's this gigantic sonic blast that drops all the humans to their knees from a pain in their head. And when it clears, all the AI servants have been rebooted to a default kill-all-humans setting. <laughs> Well, it's hate, just like chopping mall. Yeah, I hate that setting. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then they're on the run, and then you f- basically flash forward about nine months, and so you've got a pretty familiar setup that is usually zombies. Yeah, right. Exactly. You've got this couple, and they stake landed vampires, but yeah, it's usually yeah, zombies. You've got a couple, and you've, you've got survivors that hear rumors about a safe haven. They've got to get there, and they've got to travel through this infested area of here, killer uh, androids to get to that, what they hope is a safe haven. And then you've also got the convenient savior trump card, which is a very, very pregnant woman. Mm-hmm. So all that's fine. It's, you know, up until then, it's very it's uninspired, but decent storytelling. But if you stick it out in the third act, it's got a reward because you, they throw a, a nice little twist at you that is uh, organically ingrained in the dialogue, appreciated that. And then all the way at the very end, you find out that it's actually, it's, it's nicely metaphorical. 
and a, a plea for for global empathy. So, uh, and it's a, a good performance from from Chloe Grace Moretz finding this this woman to be courageous and desperate, and but but willing to to do what is necessary because she's she, she's about to give birth. So, there are times when you're going to say, "Oh, that's boy, that's easy. That's an easy way out." But just just hang in. Hang in with it to that third act, and I think you're going to be rewarded with a decent... Another uh, movie that finds these these rehashed ideas and finds a way to say to say uh, something a little new with them, and so I appreciate that about it. And it's on Hulu, and it's called Mother. It's Mother slash Android. Mother Android on Hulu. Got another horror thriller next. This is Four Childhood Friends. They're reunited when one of them surfaces after 20 years, forcing them to confront a creature straight out of a spine-chilling Moroccan Legend. This is on VOD, Akura. Well, that Moroccan legend got my attention because earlier this year we had that movie based on a Moroccan legend called uh, Candisha, yes. which I really liked. Exactly. So this one is, it's about a djinn, D-J-I-N-N. They've been popular they lately. They have been. They've come up out of nowhere. Um, and of course, most people don't watch as many horror films as we do, so most people may <laughs> not know that. But um, I love that. I love, there are a couple of things about it. I love that, uh, you know, they're not just going back to the same old, same old all the time. And I also love that this is a Moroccan film. So we all, it's not, it's not an area of the world where we, the States, get to see many films. So mm-hmm. I, I like that too. It's just immediately fresh for that reason. Uh, there are some real faults with this movie, but there are also some real triumphs with it. The The work with the children is great. The creature build is very, very cool. The effects, not very great. And the adult storyline, a little weak. So there you go. I mean, it's it's a, it's about a three-star film out of five. Okay. It's creepy enough, and it definitely is going to give you some images and ideas that you just don't see very often. Which is always welcome. And this is director and co-writer Talal Salami. And uh, another good thing, it's a bargain rental. It's just $3.99. Nice. So, so, so that's what. And we always love a good creature. A yes. good practical effects creature. And Candisha had that, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. If you get to s- see a film like this, which gives you a, a point of view, a, a setting where you're not used to seeing it, yeah. that right there is a, is a new perspective, which is, which is always welcome as well. So this is on, yeah, VOD, uh, Akura. And we'll finish up with a thriller about a college freshman joining her university's rowing team, undertaking an obsessive physical and psychological journey to make it to the top varsity boat no matter the cost. It's called The Novice. You have the best time. It still wasn't enough. Relax. You're like the best novice. You gotta let it go. It was my fault we lost. Give yourself a break. Relax. 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 You don't understand you know how hard I have to push myself to be the best. Brandon Thomas reviewed this one for us at metalwolf.com and he was, he said, blown away he by bold over. Said it was one of the best films he saw this year. Yeah. And this is, I was surprised, but but uh, pleasantly surprised to see if you remember that horror film. The Orphan. The Orphan. Oh, I sure do. 
The young girl, <laughs> same actress, Isabel Furman. Uh, she is back. She plays Alex, the novice rower who just, even though novice, just what it, it means. You, you're not you're not experienced at this. And they tell her that hardly any novices ever make it on the varsity, and she just becomes obsessed with being one that does. It's one of those films, it is about athletics, but and it's so very hard to make a sports film that is not full of cliches. And boy, this isn't. It really isn't. And her performance is great because she's a very complex character. You feel for her as she becomes more and more obsessed with mm-hmm. with this potential goal. But at the same time, you can sort of see why she's doing it. And then you just sort of want to smack her and say, don't do it. <laughs> it's a really remarkable performance in a movie that is constantly surprising and riveting as well. I think one of the things that helps is because it, it picks a sport that people aren't used to seeing movies about. Sure. Uh, rowing. And the writer and director is Lauren Hathaway. And yeah, the best movies, the best sports movies always transcend the sport. Absolutely. As to what they're talking about, as, as this one does. But it takes a sport that people, yeah, they're not that used to, number one. They don't see it on TV. They don't see movies about it. So that's a great way to, uh, to, to anchor it in a, in a sport like that and then just have her, as the synopsis says, her psychological journey, yeah. not only within herself, but how she deals with the people around her that know that, hey, you're going off the deep end mm-hmm. here. And uh, yeah, or, please check out Brandon's review because he loved it. It was clearly one of the best movies, one of his favorite movies that he's seen this year. And you can find that written review at madwolf.com. And it is in theaters right now called The Novice. All right, let's see what's cooking in the lobby. Can't cook in the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. It's lobby time. Back in it with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer. And it's holiday season. It's holiday movie season. Is it holiday movie news season? Do you have some Christmas cheer for us? A lot of shifting around. Nothing major. I think it's less to do with the pandemic and more just the studios are finally looking at their 2020 schedules and just kind of spreading things out a bit more. First on deck, where you have got Netflix has a stop-motion animated anthology film hitting their service on January 14th that is called The House. There's a trailer for that out now. It looks pretty trippy. The House? The House. I love stop-motion animation. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, HBO Max is premiering a high school drama called The Fallout on January 27th. And then a few weeks later, on February 10th, they're going to premiere Steven Soderbergh's latest movie, since he cranks them out like crazy. (laughs) That one's called Kimmy. And on February 11th, the next day, um, Universal has their Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson rom-com Marry Me coming out in theaters. Well, it will also now be day and date on Peacock. Uh, Last week I had mentioned that, you know, we didn't quite know where... um, Adrian Lynn's Deep Water was going to end up. Well, it is going straight to streaming. There's not a date for it yet, but it will be premiering on Hulu sometime next year in the U.S., and then overseas it will be on Amazon. Uh, on March 24th, there's a sci-fi rom-com called Moonshot hitting HBO Max. And then March 25th, we'll see the release of the Michelle Yeoh starring sci-fi action flick Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. That's from A24. Yeah. And it is another multiverse movie. Uh-huh. A lot of multiverse movies coming out over the next uh, 12 months. Nice. Well, that just opens up so many. You can just bring in anyone. <laughs> well, yeah. And uh, we've got the Spider-Man movie this weekend. There's this A24 movie, the Doctor Strange movie, and Into the Spider-Verse sequels next year are doing multiverse stuff. Nice. There's a Flash movie next year doing it. Huh. It's uh, 
it's a hot topic right now. I guess so. STX Entertainment has done some mild shuffling. They have um, decided to push back the release date of their Guy Ritchie and Jason Statham spy caper, Operation Fortune. Um, that was coming out late next month. Now it'll be out on March 18th, and as a result, they've delayed the release of the Chris Pine action movie, The Contractor, which had been set for March 18th. That one's now coming out April 1st. So not huge moves, but lots of small stuff like that going on. And then a bigger a bigger delay is Sunny has pushed back the release of their Brad Pitt action movie, Bullet Train. That one was going to come out in early April, and now it's hitting on July 15th. And because they moved that one from April to July, Universal has moved their Michael Bay action movie, Ambulance, from February to April 8th, which is the day that Bullet Train had been on. So there are lots of musical chairs yeah. going on. Yeah. One right there. And then... April 29th, we'll see the release of our second Liam Neeson action movie of 2022. Are you excited? <laughs> <laughs> the skills, they're special. That's I'm, right. That's what I'm yeah. guessing. <laughs> they are. Um, this one's coming from Martin Campbell, who did Casino Around Mask of Zora, so hopefully it'll be a little bit better than Neeson's last few action movies. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, he seems to be working with some better directors on his upcoming projects, so... Fingers crossed. I wasn't mm-hmm. the biggest fan of Honesty or The Marksman. And then a bit of a bummer on the horror front. Universal has pushed back the release of Scott Derrickson's Black Phone. That was going to hit in February. Now it doesn't come out until June 24th. Ooh. Wow. Which I guess is a vote of confidence. Yeah, for the summary, sure. Still, still a bummer. Yeah, because that trailer is creepy. And the poster. Yeah, the poster. Yeah, creepy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. And then the last date I have for you is STX is releasing a supernatural thriller called Bed Rest into theaters on July 15th. And that takes us to the big news of the week. You know, of course, we've been talking about the pandemic fallout for, gosh, a year and a half now. West Side Story just opened last week to, I think, only 15 million worldwide yeah. for the entire oh, weekend. Worldwide. Oh, that's amazing. But, yeah. Yeah, I know. And, but on the, you know, complete other side of the spectrum, Spider Man had its preview screenings last night and just on last night alone it made 50 million dollars good lord <laughs> well we knew because we don't live very far from a, a big multiplex and for the first time in ages that parking lot was full yeah, yeah. i believe that theaters are rebounding in some ways but in other ways not yeah and i've talked After to I, I talked to a guy this morning that said this will be the first movie he's gone to in like a year that yeah. spider-man will be the first one so this will be the one to bring him back it yeah. appears yep yep as Hope said in the written review, he's going to save the multiverse and maybe the multiplex. That's right. He might. He might. I know some people get mad about the glut of superhero movies that we get every year, and it's only growing as years go on. But at the end of the day, for better or worse, they are paying for everything else to get made. Right. And for theaters to stay open. So, yep. you know, whether you like them or not, you kind of have to root for them a little bit anyway. Yeah, yeah. and uh, need that need that right now. You can always catch up with Daniel for the latest news. You can find him at The Schlocketeer. Thank you much. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, looking ahead to next week, the third of three big holiday weekends at the movies. We've got the new Matrix, the Matrix Resurrections that we've already seen. So, uh, haha, chomping at the bit to talk about that. <laughs> also, the King's Man. Sing to Licorice Pizza. Oh, Macbeth, the tragedy of Macbeth. Been waiting to talk about that for a while now, too. Yeah, the Tender Bar. The Lost Daughter. American Underdog. And Red Rocket. So some big ones. Boy, mm-hmm. it's been it's been fun to talk about these big movies, I these know. big holiday weekends. Uh, the only problem is getting to all of them. 
finding that time. But that's a good problem to have. So we'll talk about those next week. In the meantime, how about this week? How about Spider-Man? Let's talk about that or Nightmare Alley or anything uh, that you've seen this week or recently. We love to keep the conversation going. Easy to get a hold of us on Twitter. You can find us at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews as well as our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. That's all there for you at madwolf.com. So until next week, keep in touch if you can. Hope you get all your shopping done. Have a great holiday season. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>